Podcast. I'm Stormy. I'm Elena. And playing us in today was the song Animal by Turn Zero. What does that mean, Stormy? They're on the episode. They're on the episode. And you actually didn't get to do the interview with us. No. That was actually really rude of me to ask. I didn't think about it. I'm in my fucking habit. Yeah, I've been working a lot. There's just a lot happened. So I had to rearrange my work schedule. And it just so happened that I had to close on those days. Everybody's going to be super mad at you because it turns out that I cannot function like a normal human being when you're not on the other side of the screen. I complete you. I think that part of it is you're trying to be more entertaining for the podcast than you do with like your regular interviews that you do for work. Mm-hmm. And then also, I'm not there to give you like familiar comfort, I guess. Right. So, like, you, you don't feel as weird talking to people. Yeah, exactly. I lucked out with these because there's actually two. I did this one this week without you, and then I, I talked to Mike from the 8020 show and 8020 Records. Again, if you guys haven't checked out our interview with him, go over to his show and listen to it because he's a lot of fun. I'm super sad I had to miss that one. Like, I'm really I know. Sad. I'm so sorry. I'm it's so okay, sorry. though. It's it's, I mean, it is what it is. I just, I lucked out because I knew all of them going into it. I'd never talked to Emily in person, but we've been talking on social media for like a year. So it wasn't like a complete stranger that I had no familiarity with, but I was still like, ah, what's happening? Well, yeah, it, it, see, here's the thing. I just, I like doing the ones where we have like return people. And technically Mike is not a return for us, but we are, have already talked to him. So um, I just like those we ones. Put where we put in like three out. hours talking to him. Yeah. <laughs> and so that's why I say I'm more sad about that one. But I am very sad that I missed Turn Zero as well. I'm sorry, you guys, that I could not I be here them. for that. I know you said something about them being nerds. And I was like, of course, the one that I end up missing is. But I always end up finding one nerd in almost every group, to be fair. So. Well, yeah. Nerds kind of abound nowadays. Well, and they flock to me. I was able to like sort of get on the Pokemon conversation with Emily. But like, that's really like where most of my experience stopped. It's like Zelda and Pokemon. Yeah, you're holding an Eevee. I got an. What did you say? Eevee. This is Jolteon, you <gasps> uncultured I can ant- only see the ears. Okay. He's yellow. I can't tell from my computer screen. I just, I literally just saw the top of the eyes and like the head. <laughs> I'm, I'm really just kidding. I don't care. I know, I, but I got I another, know. I got another Evolution Build-A-Bear. I'm just saying like, you know, I know the Evolutions. I know. We, we covered them in detail. We, we discussed what type of emo every Evolution is. Yeah. I'm pretty well versed in those Pokemon. After Gen 3, like, my knowledge falls off. See, yeah. It, well, and like, I'm gonna be real with you. Same. Because like, yeah. I can't remember that many. I can't remember the names of that many Pokemon. Are There's you kidding? So I played Sword and Shield and I'm just like, you know, the little goblin one. Like, that's, yeah. that's how I describe them. I don't remember their names. I remember the names of the first gym and then may a lot of the second. And then after that, I'm Dunzo, like I can't. I don't know what it says about me and like my hipster status as even a child and like high schooler, but I never wanted to go past like Ruby and Sapphire. I was committed to those early games. I've played most of the Pokemon games, but I just can't remember. Like I, 
I don't have the dedication that I used to have to remember all of the Pokemon. I just don't. I can't do it. Yeah. I can, it's unless I find one, like, really, really cute. So, like... Um, oh, like Houndour? Sure. See, and now I can't remember any of the names, actually, so... I liked Houndour and Houndoom, because they were, like, the goth dogs. Well, yeah. It's... If they add evolutions, I will remember those. I mean, because yeah, that is cool as fuck. That is important to me. Eevee has always been my favorite, and it will always be my favorite. And Eevee is important to me in general. We're talking about Pokemon on a music podcast, and I don't care. Yeah. I mean, I talked about it during the interview with them. Yeah. Well, I also have... There's a Squirtle over there. Did you see my big Mew? No. I got a b- giant Mew plush. See, oh, I know Mew. That's also first gen. So... Yeah, I know. <laughs> um, I actually found my old Pokemon card binder. Mm-hmm. I went over to my mom's to help her clear out the attic, so we were going through all my old stuff. And Ian was, like, shaking his head at me because he didn't want me to bring anything home because I have an issue with overcrowding the house a little bit. I'm not a hoarder, but, like... No, I, I like am. Stuff. I 100% am. Yeah. I have an entire box of seashells from my grandmother's house that I could not let anyone throw away. Yeah, it's, like, shit like that. Like, I keep every single card that anybody's ever given me. I've got them in a box next to my bed. And then my mom's got this habit where she likes to buy me little things... And if she gives me something, I will not get rid of it. I have drawers full of birthday cards. Good. Okay. I'm not the only one. Well, because the thing is, we used to have these like huge birthday parties. And so I have birthday cards from like my entire family from every freaking birthday. Every birthday. And I have all of my graduation cards still. Like, I mean, I'm not like it's in a box like this. Like it's huge. It's a huge box. And I have all of them. I don't even know who half of those people are. They just came to my graduation because my mom invited them. <laughs> okay, that's like, I probably wouldn't save those kinds of cards. No, I, I saved all of them. Somebody, Those people <laughs> gave me money to buy a camera that I never used. Oh, with. yeah. Yeah, that's something. I just like, when I get like a random card from like work being like, happy birthday, like HR will send us the cards. I just oh, no, I don't, that I don't anyway. care about. I don't care about but that. But it's like, if it's anybody that I've known in any even mildly significant capacity mm-hmm. in my life, anything that they hand me with their handwriting on that, I, I will not toss it. I, my mom thinks yeah. I'm fucking crazy. I like, saved my grandmother's voicemails the other day. Good. I also saved my brother's voicemail that he sent me for my birthday because it was hilarious. Actually, you know what? Shout out to my brother. We were just talking about you before we started recording. This is probably the best part of my birthday was my brother sit, leaving me a voicemail and I called him before I actually listen to the voicemail and he said hey did you hear my voicemail and i said no and he goes oh you should listen to it it's weird and i was like okay (laughs) he goes that's my present to you because i'm poor and i said big same um so here's my brother wishing me a happy birthday anyway happy birthday uh i hope your day is good and uh also that there's uh, cake or candy or something with a lot of sugar in it, in your mouth. All right. Love you. Bye. Jesus. <laughs> that was the voicemail. <laughs> that was the voicemail that my brother left me on my birthday. So he had no it. idea what he was doing going in, huh? No, um, eventually I'm gonna do, like, I'm gonna make a beat of somehow, I don't know how to make beats. I'm gonna make a beat and then I'm gonna, that's gonna be on there. It's gonna be, like, TikTok famous. There you go. Yeah, that was the best part of my birthday. Good. Yeah, we didn't do an episode for your birthday. We didn't, but... We gave you a week off. That was your present. Well, to be completely fair, I didn't even want the week. I've like, oh my God, 
I did want the week off, but not from this job. (laughs) (laughs) Of all of them, it's probably the one that like this is the one I wanted to do. That's all right. This last few weeks have been weird and crazy and rough, but life gets better. Stay positive. Always tends to. This has gone on for a really long time. Yeah, let's talk about new music. (laughs) Okay. Okay, my first one that I want to say is that Maywin dropped a song called Brothers on a Hotel Bed, and everybody should go listen to it. Maywin is really, really good. My brother used to work with one of the guys in that band, and he's so nice. So everybody go listen. Judah and the Lion dropped a song called Spirit that I really like. 303 dropped a song called Machines, and it's really weird, but it's got a good line in it that uh, is a callback to... um, one of their most famous songs of all time. So everybody should go listen to it. It's in the first five seconds. You only have to listen to the first five seconds of the song to get the good, good line. Did you just forget the name of Don't Trust Me? No, I shouldn't say it. You just didn't want to say it. Okay, I okay. Say it. <laughs> I would I like, never. No. Uh, I was about to boot you off this podcast. <laughs> fine. It's Don't Trust Me, Elena. Are you happy now? Do I have to spell it out for everyone? I figured they'd know what song I'm in as soon as they heard the line. I was trying to be teasy. Stormy, we have to assume everyone here is stupid, okay? I don't want to do that. I think you guys are smart. I'm just kidding. (laughs) Everybody here is smart. Oh, no. I know who that was for. It's for my dad because he never knows who we're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I'm I'm not calling your dad stupid. He's not stupid. He just doesn't know who we're talking about ever. He just likes listening to us rant. (laughs) Which I appreciate. I love that about my dad. I know. It's so sweet. I love a lot of things about my dad, but that's one of the good ones, though. He's just like, I have no idea who you're talking about. I'm not interested in any part as of anything that you're talking about music-wise, but I like <laughs> listening listening to you two, Yammer. It's, it's Meanwhile, uh, like, interesting. Meanwhile, my parents like kind of dig this kind of music. My dad used to listen to Cute Is What We Aim For all the time. My mom, like, was, like, super up on the bands that I was listening to in my teens. And, like, they've never listened. I just feel like your mom would listen. Like, I don't know. I know. I, I would think that she'd would. actually, whatever, whatever. No, my parents, <laughs> my parents listen to all of our episodes. I know. It's so sweet. They're very proud of us. They're proud of you, too, by <laughs> extension. They've adopted you. I don't know if you knew this or not, but they did. I think, I think I told you previously that they'd adopted me. Yeah, they're, they've decided that you're their kid now because you're my, be- yeah. one of my best friends, so. If you're my best friend, you get to be my parents' kid, which is a blessing. I'm cool with it. I'm cool since my parents apparently don't love me at all. It's fine. <laughs> she looked around like you were looking for your mom to, to be in there. Like I'm just looking for the audience to like <laughs> stare down. It's just Tovin. Right, what do you have for new music? Okay, I got three songs for you. Actually, you know what? There might be more. I really didn't look at my release radar this week. Mm, mm. Yeah, that's a good one. That's a good one. So this wildlife released a song that's called Nothing Hurts Like Love for the first time. It's good. It's not one of the ones I have to sample for us today. Yeah, I was I was thinking good. about um, saying that one, but I figured that you'd like it, so I didn't. Yeah. I saved it for you. Thank you. I did listen to it. I just didn't put it on my list here. Fair enough. But the ones that I did collect to play for everybody today, I'm just going to go through them. I kind of liked what we did in the last episode where I kind of sampled 30 seconds and then I just shouted out everybody at the end with their socials and everything, so we won't muddy this portion of the episode we'll just do that again so the first one i have is called gender neutral happy meal it's by the band aim high oh my god yeah i just like the title of that yeah that makes me really (laughs) happy it's great so we're gonna play it right now oh shit 
again, that was the song Gender Neutral Happy Meal by Aim High. So the second song that I have today is called Perfect Strangers. It's by Noah Sonnen. I really hope that I pronounced that right, Noah. I'm sorry, I should have verified that from the beginning, but we'll go ahead and sample that right now. I don't feel like I did perfect. Never ever did I think it would be possible. Keep it in my mind, these lungs fresh. Was coming to your eyes at night and sleeping by your side, but now we're perfect strangers. Don't tell me why. It's been occasionally. And again, that was the song Perfect Strangers by Noah Sonnen. And the last song that I have to sample for us today is called Confidence. It's by Standing Like Statues off of their new EP, Reality Checkpoint. I actually heard that one. Good. It's a good one. Yeah, it is good. Shallow feelings, sinking feelings. Why would my love get this deep? We broke the boundaries, best selling. Count the hours till our next sleep. We're sugar round, we get tired All right, and one more time, that was the song Confidence by Standing Like Statues off of their new EP, Reality Checkpoint. So that's what I've got for today. Yay! Oh, and We the Kings released another oh, they did. Yeah. single. They did. No One Like You. But it's got, like, text speak, so it's yeah. no, the number one, like, the letter U. I had to spell everything. Of course. It's not like people can just look up We the Kings and, like, their latest release will pop up. I have to spell it. No, you really <laughs> It's the opposite of what I have. Yeah, to do. you do not have to spell it. Uh, anyway, do you want to? Do you want to talk to Turn Zero? Yeah, you can talk to him. I won't talk to them. You have to. I'm gonna go. Yeah. But I'm not able. No, I'm not able. Okay, so we're here with Turn Zero. They are a pop-punk alternative rock band out of Phoenix, Arizona. Can you just, like, chime in, tell us your names, a little bit about what you do with the band when you joined, just so we've got you down? Yeah, so my name is Emily. I use she, her pronouns, and I'm the lead singer of the band. I'm also the founding member of the band. And from time to time, I also contribute to writing guitar and bass parts. Hi, I'm Ash. I'm the bass player for the band. I also use she, her pronouns. I'm just a generalized idiot who slaps a fish occasionally. That was a joke about bass being written the same way as bass. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How's it going, guys? Uh, this is Manny. I'm the newest member. I play drums, and uh, I don't have any fun facts <laughs> off the top of my head. Uh, but today's my anniversary, so... Oh, happy anniversary. Awesome. Yeah. So there you go. John is not with us today, but he is the other member of the band, and he's the guitar player. All right. Awesome. So can you just tell us a little bit about Turn Zero, like how the band was formed, what your leading influences are? Just give us a little bit of a taste about what you're doing here. 
So Turn Zero was initially a project that I started to throw together because um, Mike, who is the owner of 8020 Records, was throwing together a 10th year anniversary show. And he was like, yeah, you can open for it, but you have to have a full band. And I'm just like, Mike, you're giving me three months to put together a full band. He was like, yep, you got this. And we basically played that show, took the group, and after tossing around some different band names, came up with Turn Zero, which is actually a reference to competitive card games. Um, I played Pokemon for 10 years, and uh, Turn Zero is what it's called when time is called, and it's whoever is still in the middle of playing their turn. So normally it would be time plus three, one, two, three turns, and then that decides the game. And we should note your Skype name is what again? Nope, we're going to avoid that. I'm going to go die under a rock. I can say it if she won't real fast. Yeah, please do. So uh, it's Pokemon Lover 9000 because I was too lazy to update my Microsoft account. And I've had this since sixth grade. Honestly, it's kind of an epic username. I mean, I've got it across the board on pretty much everything just from past accounts on things. So at least nobody else will have it. It sounds like the next generation of the series, like Pokemon 2000. Honestly, great movie, though. Yeah. Wait, is that actually a movie? Pokemon 2000 is the second movie. It came out in the year 2000. And because it's two for the second movie. Well, I'm dumb. I really should have known that. because I've seen them all. I mean, up until, you know, a few years ago, but... Honestly, that's nowhere in my brain. I did not even remember. I have too much of my brain reserved for random Pokemon trivia. Like the fact that Furret is taller than Charizard, but you know. Okay, that's horrifying though. I do remember that. (laughs) I'm taller than Charizard. Really? Charizard's only, he's 4'11". Oh my God, it's a Mr. Mime. Unless he's 5'11 and I'm dumb, but I think that Furret is 5'11". Okay, what, what are your all's opinion on Mr. Mime. I am very anti weird, like the weird conspiracy theory about Mr. Mime and Ash's mom. Nah, forget all of you people. Not a thing. Not a thing. Um, I love Mr. Mime. I've always thought he was quirky. And I think it's also just my inner love for psychic Pokemon. So. Mr. Mime. Mime, mime. So can you tell us just a little bit about the Phoenix, Arizona scene? Like, do you feel like it shaped you in any particular way? It's been interesting because the way that the music scene here works, or at least the way it's worked for a while, is it's very step on your opponents to get places, not so much let's support people. And that's something that I know that I've encouraged everyone and everyone in our band really sees like, no, that's not the way this works. Like we're, you know, we can better the scene as a whole if we all support each other. Because at the end of the day, if even one band makes it big from Arizona, that's a big deal. And then people start to pay attention to everyone else there. So I would say in a way it's shaped us into being a more supportive group. Like for a while, one, if not all of us, we're going to shows every month for other local artists. Like, not even, like, big shows necessarily. Obviously, those were still there, too. Yeah. But um, making sure that we were going out, supporting other artists, really connecting with those people, 
And through that, I've gotten the opportunity to jam out with a lot of these people. And um, I think that within like my own personal private songwriting recently, that's really been shaped by those other influences saying, you know, this person writes this really cool, like the way they do their lyrics is really weird. I want to try to mimic that. But I don't know how everyone else feels on that. So if y'all want to chime in, you're more than welcome to. I mean, I'm I'm the newest one um, to the scene. I'm a recent well, I'm not so much a recent transplant anymore. I've been in Arizona for a little bit over a year now. Uh, and I, I come from like Southern California, LA area. So like the scene there is night and day compared to here. And uh, so I, I really kind of look to like my bandmates to just kind of fill me in on like the things that are going on. Cause especially like when I joined, I kind of came on board and was just kind of had all these ideas of things to do that kind of would work out well in like the SoCal LA scene, but maybe not so much out here just because there's not as much outreach or there's not just the way the scene is out here. Um, finding this band took so long for me, to be honest, there, there really isn't a big, at least I'm, I'm like a Craigslist guy. So like I find all my projects through Craigslist, which, Emily and everyone else kind of gives me shit about, but yeah, I don't honestly, know if you want to define yourself I've, as a Craigslist guy. <laughs> I I love it honestly. I feel like I get a decent like idea of like the music that is going on in like a particular area through Craigslist, but I'm starting to think that <laughs> Phoenix Craigslist is like nothing compared to yeah. like yeah, it, Phoenix Craigslist it feels like it's just like all like straight punk some country and like metal and like that's that's like it so well, oh, I, i'm just super stoked that that emily reached out so it was actually really funny i'm gonna tell you a short story about that really quick go ahead all the diversions necessary like um, um, time crunch here i was like our last drummer was phenomenal we love ben um, he ended up having to take a step back. He's going back to school. He's working full time in the hospitals. Like everything's just going on right now. And he was just like, Hey, I'm going to step down. That way you guys have somebody who can be fully committed to your project. And I remember being so frustrated and so desperate to find a drummer. I straight up Googled drummers in Arizona and it pulled up this Craigslist. <laughs> Um, and I went through the Craigslist ads and like every other one was like, must be a, uh, band of 50 year old men looking to just do some old time rock or like <laughs> things like that. Just Need very it. specific about age and gender of everybody in the group. And I'm just like, why, why do you care about that? Like if anything, it should just be the music that matters. And I ended up coming across Manny's. I was like, man, this guy's got a really cool demo out there. Like he seems promising. I'm going to reach out. And I was so excited. Like the first Zoom call that we had, we were sitting there, we were like geeking out over anime stuff. And I was like, yes, yes. <laughs> this is a fit. <laughs> um, and we've jammed with him a couple of times and, you know, done great social distancing stuff, sending recordings back and forth. And it's been really fun. Sweet. Is that how you've been doing most of your collaborating recently? Um, yeah. So we've done a lot through online. Um, I personally don't go anywhere. I isolate majority of my day. Like I don't even go sit at restaurants or anything. I like Uber Eats yeah. is my best friend right now. So anyone else that I know that's also been in that same boat, 
I'm okay with going down to say like a park. There's a park right down the road from me and we'll hang out, you know, six, 10 feet apart, won't face each other in case for some awful reason we've, you know, even if we've got like a cold this way, there's no chance of spit yeah. at each other, but we'll just go down to a park and we'll just jam because there's so much open space and nobody there cares. As long as it doesn't look like you're busking, you're not going to get in trouble. <laughs> So you got to make sure I sit on my guitar case. Can't have my guitar case open. Can get kicked out of parks for that. That's so funny. The fishermen really hate buskers. I don't know what it is, but the the three people that fish on that one dock really hate buskers. This one, okay, me and Ash Mm. went down there the other day. Me and Ash are roommates, by the way. She's doing this interview from the other room. Oh, my gosh. Why are you not all just, like, sitting next to each other? (laughs) Because I only have one headphone port. Oh. I was also gross and had a cold for, like, the beginning part of the week. So. Oh, so you're, yeah. you're quarantined right now. <laughs> she is negative for the Rona. She's good, yeah. but it, she does yeah. have a cold, and I was like, I don't want it. So I want to go back for a minute because you were talking about, you know, the competitiveness of the Phoenix scene, and we actually had Love Like Fiction with us two weeks ago, and they were talking about a really similar thing. Is that something that is sort of echoed through 8020? Like, is that a um, – like a label-wide sentiment, or is that just something that you all discovered independently? So, as far as it being competitive, or as far as trying to support other musicians? Just both. I mean, yeah, the recognition of it being competitive, and that, you know, work, the drive to work towards solving it. It's one of those things that, like, with Love Like Fiction, they've gotten integrated within the scene a very different way than I got integrated into the scene, and the fact that that competitiveness still shows everywhere is kind of just like a truth of this is just how Arizona is. The one thing I will say about Mike is Mike is very picky about the people he works with. He won't pick you up purely based on talent. He has to like actually get along with your personalities. He has to really, you know, believe in the things that you believe in and vice versa. So a lot of 80-20 coming from working with 8020. So even back when I worked with them, that was a really big part of it was Mike is all for musicians, giving the most to the musicians, getting people where they need to be. And a lot of that is networking. And a lot of musicians here don't understand that. And I think that that's why Arizona's music scene isn't taken seriously because everybody's too busy trying to step on each other's toes instead of trying to elevate everybody up together. Now, do you think there's anything cultural that might drive that? Uh, I'm not a native Arizonan. (laughs) Where are you from? I'm from St. Louis, Missouri. I've been here for about 10 years, so I kind of talk like an Arizonan-ish now. (laughs) Um, Some words are still kind of like, oh, what was that? I don't think you didn't hear anything. It's fine. Oh, Oh. get out of here, Ash. As, as a natural-born Arizonan, I will say, no clue. Everyone's either just way stupid hot or dealing with some other problems. <laughs> Everyone's either way too hot or they're not in or they're not in Phoenix, and that's really about it. Well, it's I think hard it's, to be oh, friendly when you're sweating. So true. And I think it's I think it's part of to do with the fact that we're so close to LA. And LA is competitive, even when you have everyone trying to build up because it's an oversaturated market. Yeah. So when you have an oversaturated market right next door, but you've always been told you have to get it, you have to make it big over there in order to be anybody. 
So then it's, okay, well, I have to make it big here before I can go over there. So I need to, you know, they're used to that oversaturated mentality leaking over when I don't feel like Arizona is oversaturated. We've got a lot of diversity within different uh, genres here. I will say pop punk, alternative and metal all have a really, really big scene in Arizona. Like you can pretty much under normal circumstances, not under COVID. Of course. Um, you could pretty much pick any any weekend day and find three or four shows within that genre speckled across town. So it's like, oh, it's a Friday night, I'm bored. I'm gonna head down to Rebel Lounge. We're gonna go check out this alt rock band down here. And what if I go down to Valley Bar and they've got some indie rock going on down there? You know, it's very, very thriving. But the venues are all very friendly towards that kind of music. It's not like, oh, you have to be, you know, bubblegum pop in order to make it here. Yeah. Um, and I will say that they are also very friendly towards solo artists. Um, you don't have to have a band. And that was something like I did acoustic stuff in the Valley for three years solo for and I played all over town. So Arizona is not an oversaturated market. You just have to look and you have to know how to promote yourself and you have to find people that will throw you on their shows. Networking. Yeah. I might have to have you on for a different episode all geared toward that because I've been <laughs> like been raging at the scenes, like not just, you know, not Arizona, obviously, but just the general scenes inability to network effectively. It's all just like, here, I'm going to add you and then invite you to like my Facebook page. That's not how that's not how this works. No, no. But I like I won't get too far into that because I'll go on for hours. Same. Are there any venues around in particular that you can think of that have been particularly supportive to artists like yourself? Um, Pub Rock. Pub Rock is one of Pub Rock and Club Red. Um, Pub Rock is one of the ones, though, that really screams out to me because the show that we played there, we had. I set up the show, which is terrifying. Um, <laughs> we had a band from LA come down. So you already know that they're not selling tickets. So it was us and one other band and we had to basically break even. I think we prom uh, promised that each band would sell 20 tickets and our headliners sold four. S and we only, I think we sold 30. So we did pretty okay. good, yeah. but the venue barely broke even. Um, I don't remember. I think we got about 40 or maybe it was like a hundred. I don't know that they aren't big numbers when you're splitting it three ways. Yeah. No, no, that, no. That's the point. <laughs> um, so we didn't make a whole lot of money off the show and the venue didn't make any money off the show because they literally kept just enough to cover all of their stuff. And like the bar was getting paid out of pocket and they still were just like, Hey, we understand that sometimes stuff flops. You like, yeah, we're disappointed, but we know that you guys did everything that you could. It was just bad timing. Yeah. And they were super understanding and they even were just like, Hey, let us know if you want to play here again, like reach out to us. Here's our booking contact, you oh. know? So it's like one of those things where I think that's a big fear is over-promising, under-delivering, and then getting banned from a venue because that does happen. Like they have to make money too. It makes sense. Yeah. If, it's not, if it's not profitable for them, it doesn't help. But I know that Pub Rock was very, very generous with us. 
with that kind of situation. So for that, I always, I'm just like, if you guys can pull a crowd, go hit up Pub Rock. We love them. Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. I was like, Club Red is also kind of cool. They put on these really exhausting shows, but they're very fun. I say exhausting because it's like 12 or 15 bands on one show. It starts at like three in the afternoon and goes until like midnight. Wow. It's a really good way of meeting other bands, finding out what other kind of music is in the scene. You don't have to have any sort of audience really to play these shows. So the way that those shows work is you sell 20 tickets and anything past 20 you keep. So we've played a couple of those shows where we didn't make any money. We played a couple of those shows where we made quite a bit of money, but it's really good stage experience. They have a wonderful stage there and you pretty much guaranteed at least, you know, 15 people in the audience at any given time because there's so many bands even if only the fans from the show, from the person before you stick around, or if only the fans are there for the person that's after you, it doesn't really make much of a difference because there's still people there. Right. It's great experience building for smaller artists that are just kind of trying to figure stuff out. But they also have the capacity to hold, you know, 200 people. Like it's a big venue. Big venue. <laughs> I say well, big, you know, compared to some. Perspective. It's not like playing yeah. in a coffee shop. Yeah, exactly. And I, I haven't heard of anything like that before. So that's truly incredible. I, I actually have a question. Um, like, so when I was, when I, you know, when I was growing up playing in like punk bands, we would always, and I'm, I'm curious, like Emily and Ash, what, what you guys think about this too. But like, you know, we growing up, like, we would always be like, oh, fuck, fuck these venues. Oh, can I, can I cuss? Sorry. Absolutely. You're fine. <laughs> <laughs> we Like, we'd always just be like, you know, fuck these venues. Like, like what, like, why, why do we have to fucking sell like 60 tickets or a hundred tickets to play? Like we're the ones that, you know, we're the talent, right? We're, we're, we're the reason why pe- like bodies are moving through the door. Like, like they should just, we always, or I always thought in all the bands that I was growing up in, we were always just like, you know, if if the venues would actually just host it and not put the pressure of like bands having to like pay to play, then maybe like they wouldn't have to charge so much at the door. They make more money on drinks, snacks, all that stuff. So I'm just I'm genuinely just curious, like because you talk to a lot of like other bands. Uh, if anyone else kind of had this like perspective or has has it just become this thing of just like, well, it just is what it is. Like pay to play is just the model and has been and will forever be the model moving forward. I do want to correct and say that it was the club red shows to me are not pay to play because if you don't hit 20 tickets, you don't owe the difference. So um, places like the marquee, you do owe the difference. I consider the marquee a pay to play unless you are a nationally touring act. Um, but like club red, I would not consider pay to play. It's just, you may not make money off of it if you don't sell the tickets. So one show, I think we only sold seven, but we didn't owe the extra $130. They just ate the loss. Yeah. That, that model to me seems like the happy medium where it's like, look, here's a hundred tickets. We only hope that you sell 20 and anything else. That's just to show our gratitude for, bringing bodies through the door basically that that i've never heard of a model like that so that to me sounds like the happy medium 
Yeah, I think it's really cool. I'm I'm intrigued by the idea of waiving the cover charge, though, because you know, obviously I'm not a venue owner, so I don't know right. all that goes into it. But I mean, you would think that if you've got the capacity for 200 and, you know, if you're collecting door charges, say only 20 people come, you might double that just by waiving the door charge and make more than more than the difference on drinks alone. Wouldn't you think? Yeah, there was a uh, venue. No, right. not. I don't agree, but you can go so. ahead and say what you were saying, Manny. No, yeah, it, was, it, it might work somewhere that has an established like music scene, like somewhere in like Seattle or somewhere in Nashville, somewhere in LA. And while Phoenix has a big music scene, I don't think that that kind of model would work well here. Yeah, and and now now that I'm kind of flipping through like the 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 memories of younger years, I remember going to this venue in. Um, uh, the Bay Area, uh, I believe it was 924 Gilman, which is where like all like AFI and all these other like big. Hey, I was about to say, yeah. Where like they they kind of they they would play there a lot, right? And I remember walking up to the door. Me and my buddy were there, and we didn't have like any money. We had maybe like seven bucks, ten bucks or something, and uh, we were we were just a bunch of like high school kids, and. Um, at the door, they were like, it's it's five bucks to get in or something like that. But if you don't have it, just come in. Like, who cares? Just come in. <laughs> so that was kind of like how, how they treat. And the whole place was packed. Just packed, right? right? And I think maybe that's kind of where, like, the idea kind of, like, incepted me or whatever, you know? Uh, maybe right. that's where that idea came from. I don't know. The reason I don't think it would work here is because a lot of people that I know in the music scene don't just go out on a Friday night and say, I'm going to go to this venue and go listen to whatever who's playing there. It's always a, oh, if I don't have work and I don't have 10 other things that I never have to do but probably will have to do, maybe I'll show up to your show. And it doesn't usually come down to the cost, at least from what I've found, because in early ticket sailing, selling, I went through and I was trying to um, like kind of buy people. I was like, hey, I'll, I'll pay for your ticket if you want to show up. And people still wouldn't find the time. So I feel like in Arizona, it's a lot harder to pack a venue for the sake of going to see music than it is for going to see certain bands. Yeah. Yeah. I can see that. I guess my idea of what it would look like comes from, you know, most of my music scene either being in Baltimore or DC where a lot of the venues are concentrated in one place. And like, those are the places, you know, Baltimore isn't a safe city. So there's only so many areas that you can go and hang around and, you know, walk around at any time of the night. So I think about, you know, the way that the bars get overcrowded there and they've just got people lined up down the street in order to get in. Yeah. Um, I think if you're probably in like an area that's as concentrated as that, I don't think it would be hard to pull random heads, but yeah, if you've got to go out with a dedicated idea to what you're doing, I can see how that, that wouldn't necessarily pan out. Yeah. So that's the only reason why I don't think that kind of model would work here. Um, but that's also coming from the perspective of a smaller musician. Yeah. If, but once again, if the quality of Arizona lifted together in the sense where everyone was trying to build everybody else up and sharing their fan bases because it's not cannibalizing tickets. Right. Uh, 
then you would probably be able to shift towards that kind of model or at least lessen the prices because then ticket sales would be increased. Yeah. Super interesting. Like, I wonder what venues are going to end up doing as they come back. I feel like a lot of things are about to change just as people, you know, try to recover from, God, I hope it's only going to be like a year and a half, but who yeah. knows by the time. I'm yeah. not holding my breath. I, I either. know of two or three venues that went down and another one that is currently a coffee shop to, they paired up with a local coffee shop instead of having any shows or anything. Yeah. So it's been a little, it's been a little sad, a, a lot oh. of sad. Are there any local artists in particular that you'd like to shout out? Like any favorite bands that are coming off the scene? Um, I will always shout out Love Like Fiction and Promise to Myself is another really like almost kind of cookie cutter pop punk thing, Bowling for Soup kind of shenanigans. Oh, cool. Uh, Constellations is another one of my big favorites. They dropped an EP earlier this year that goes hard. I know so many. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. You can send me like a whole list of them and I'll just put it on the episode playlist if that's what you want to oh, do. Oh, girl, I've got a locals playlist. I'll just send you oh, that. Yeah, do that. I'll just throw them all on. Give the love to everybody this week. And yeah. then what are all of your favorite artists in general? We don't have to confine to the city bounds, but when you're writing music, who are you thinking of? Um, Tonight Alive is a huge inspiration all across the board, um, like throughout all the parts. I know that... I wouldn't say I directly pull from Paramore, but I've heard a lot of people say that we sound like we have Paramore influence as well as I have a lot of respect for Haley Williams as a person. Lately, I've been listening to a lot of In Her Own Words and Boston Manor and really been vibing off that, trying to pull inspiration from that because lyrically, I love how In Her Own Words writes things. Yeah. Um, So those are just some that have been in my head lately you guys can also answer this question (laughs) (laughs) personally i think we sound like garbage and that's a joke that emily gets i had somebody tell me that out of context they were like oh your band sounds like garbage and this 12 year old girl looks at my friend and goes that was really rude and he was like no 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 no, no. the band not the adjective easily mixed up I, I listen to the same stuff that I've been listening to pretty much like forever. Um, I like I grew up listening to pop punk. So like um, Newfound Glory, you know, Blink-182, Green Day, those bands. Um, I like like Hit the Lights, All Time Low. I like old, a lot of the older stuff. But like I, I always find it it's interesting, especially like All Time Low, because my wife and I used to go see them all the time. And um it was interesting just seeing them go from like their early albums into like their newer albums to where like it was like the encore was always like remembering Sunday. Mm-hmm. And and I remember we were at one show and they didn't even play that song the entire show. And I was just like, OK, like I think they, they're officially one album to ahead of like where I've kept up with them, you know? Where you want to stay, yeah. The no, album yeah. became Dear Maria. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, it, but, I mean, that that's what happens, right? Like, bands bands mature, and, I mean, who, who are we kidding? Um, All Time Low is just, like, they are just, they went zero to 100. And the fact that they just put so many albums and all that music, it's crazy. Um, Hit the Lights, another one of my favorites. I remember 
driving through uh, like California looking for something to do. And spontaneously, we looked and we were just like, oh, let's see who's playing at Chain Reaction, right? Freaking Hit the Lights was like headlining. And I was like, what? Like, no way. Let's go. <laughs> I was like, there's no way they're, they're going to be sold out, right? It was like empty. I could not believe it. So we saw Hit the Lights play at Chain Reaction, which if you've never been to Chain Reaction, it's it's like a it's a shithole venue, but it's like a rite of passage for every band. Yeah. Um, and the stage is tiny. And we had like front row. We were front and center, hit the lights. I was just like, this is insane. I was talking to the bass player afterwards. And I was like, dude, like we didn't even think we were going to be able to get in. He's like, yeah, we're just we're just not that big on this coast. We're really big on the other coast, though. And That's I just incredible. I was like, wow, like. Yeah, and this this wasn't even like that long ago too. This was a, like only like maybe like four or five years ago. God. So like they've been pretty big for a long time. So anyway, now I'm just going off on a tangent. But yeah, those are like the types of bands that I listen to, especially like writing. I told Emily and and John and Ash like a lot of the times like I I'll hear stuff in like songs and I'll like take bits and pieces of songs and be like, okay, this is really cool. Like we should try to do something like this. Like just gain inspiration not from like a whole song but from like bits and pieces so you just released a single it's called pretty uh that was petty i'm so sorry i missed it no it's all good (laughs) most people actually most people do read it as pretty just because petty is not as common of a word yeah i had it typed down right it's my little my quick glance to the side and then you released the acoustic version of drown in September, which was, you know, kind of like amid all the chaos. What what differences did you see between releasing those two? Like, was this reception any different given the, the state of the world? So Petty actually didn't do as well as I had hoped it would. Compared to what Animal did, Animal hit 1,500 streams within a month. And Petty hit... Uh, Petty broke 1,000 after two or three, I think. Um, it it just wasn't doing as well as I had expected it to. And I think that part of it is because we released a ballad in like sad season. And then on top of that, the world started ending. So that really didn't do us any favors. So I don't know that it would actually even be fair to compare Drown to Petty because by September, everybody's like, cool, the world's ending. This is fine. You know, you're sitting in your house surrounded by fire. Um, Drown has not been doing great, but we also haven't been pushing it. So Drown was one of those things for the diehard fans that have just been like, when are you guys releasing music? We're just like, ah, we're still recording our EP. Um, So we actually did it completely in-house. Me and John went over to his apartment and we recorded all of the parts there, had somebody else master it, and we just released the whole thing. And it was um, the first thing, it was the first song that we had done fully in-house and not going somewhere to have it recorded. And sorry, Ash came in for bass parts. I, she was there on the very last day, so I forgot. Um, okay, people forget my presence. I mean, <laughs> oh, don't say that. <laughs> it was good. We spent so so many days where it was just me and John, like, oh, let's do this guitar part. Let's do the piano here. Let's do this melody. Here's where we should have harmonies. Here, Like, a lot of mapping went behind it. And a lot of the times, John and I did it while Ash was at work. So it was hard to get her over there to have those meetings with us. But we were just like, eh, whatever. This is just going to be for fun. And then it was, 
hey, this actually sounds pretty good. Let's just release it. Um, and honestly, I'm happy with how Drown has done because of the fact that we made a singular social media post about it, and that is all we did. Um, we've gotten tons of feedback, and a lot of people really love it. And I think that it's it's kind of like one of those things that as a pop punk band, you have to release something that's acoustic. Oh, yeah. Like, as a pop punk fan, like, I, that is my go-to. Like, oh, you're just kind of having a day? I don't want to beat pop punk. I want sad, like, acoustic pop punk. Make me cry. And, like, I don't know. It's one of those things that... I felt like we needed to have an acoustic something out there just for now. So we have something acoustic. It also shows versatility. Oh yeah. Um, and I feel like by releasing it in September, we didn't really, I would, I think it would have been different if we had tried to release it in May when everything was completely shut down. But by September, everybody's trying to make sure that life is normal again so less people are working from home, less people are listening to music, I feel like. Um, and ironically, I think the song would have done better if we had dropped it back in May. If it had been done, ready to go back in May. Purely for the fact that nobody knew what to do. Everybody was stuck at home. You had music going, you were constantly on social media, you were picking up hobbies, so now you're listening to music and podcasts in the background whenever you're doing anything. Because everybody had so much time, they didn't know what to do with it. So if we had made, you know, that singular social media post, whereas now maybe 300 followers are online at the time of the post, you know, at that point, it might have been 700 followers were online at that post. So that's that many more people that would have seen it, would have reacted to it. I will say, though, I did run ads for our Spotify um, when we released our lyric video for Animal, and we saw a huge increase in our followers on that, as well as listens across all of the songs. Wow. So I feel like it's not affecting everything as much as we have it in our heads that it is, as far as online presences go. Oh, for sure. Now, both of these these singles also, like, were marked as collaborations. So you worked with Nick Barker on Petty and Sore Eyes with Drown. What exactly did these artists bring to the table for you? So, I love Nick. Nick is yeah. so freaking talented. I'm just going to shout out Love Like Fiction one more time because they are so freaking talented. Um, I couldn't get enough of them either. <laughs> I gave Nick, I think, a week to learn his verse. And he was like, can I make a couple of changes? I was like, well, duh. Like, I don't want you to sing my part to me in your voice. That's not the point of a collaboration to me. <laughs> I want you to bring your sound to my song. So he sent me like a rough recording. He's like, is it okay that I did all of this? I was like, yeah, I don't care. Like you do you, man. It sounds good to me. So we went into the studio to record it and it went over super smooth. He's so talented. Oh my goodness. So he records his part, and then we're looking at, like, other kinds of background vocals, things that we can do to just add a little more oomph to it. And we're listening to it. I recorded um, a little harmony, and then we were both like, wouldn't it be cool? So if you ha if you listen to Petty, if you haven't listened to it, listen to it. If you listen to Petty, at the very end, in that last in the last chorus, there's actually background vocals 
moving across the main chorus line. And that was Nick's idea. He was like, wouldn't it be cool if we had a second part here? So literally on the spot, Nick and I wrote those lyrics. John had no idea it was gonna be in there and John initially wrote the song. So that was really funny. Um, and it, uh, it's a line from me, a line from Nick, a line from me, a line from Nick, a line, you know, it back and forth. So there's that actual feeling of dialogue. And I remember for that last note, um, I basically slide up to, I think it's a high E, which mind you is not actually in my range. And it was, uh, I had sung out the melody I liked and he goes, you know, it'd be really cool. It'd be really cool if you went to this note. I was like, I know that's the note my ear wants. I can't hit that note. He's like, sure you can't. I was like, no, I can't hit that note. He's like, try it. I was like, cool, Shay, hit record. Cause if I hit this note, I'm only hitting it once. <laughs> Um, so there's a little behind the scenes on the studio magic. You just have to be kind of in tune. Um, that's the only note that I will say actually needed to be tuned. And it wasn't that it was just the tone on it was gross. I was just like, cool. I hit the note. I'm never hitting the note again, but that was all Nick's idea. And it's one of those things that when you really feel how big that ending is, you've got the really intense spoken word bridge into this really heartfelt chorus at the very end and having the dialogue in the background like it gives me chills I and that might sound narcissistic or conceited the fact that I get chills from my own music but like to me I'm so proud of that and that's one of those things that I wouldn't have had that without Nick for sure um oh sorry I was gonna yeah go on, ramble go about sore eyes yeah yeah do that do that <laughs> So Sore Eyes is my friend, Sam. They actually just relocated to uh, Fort Collins. And I also love Sam. I compare Sam's vocals to like the front bottoms. <laughs> um, or like modern that. baseball. Yeah. Like if you listen to Sore Eyes stuff, literally it screams front bottoms. And it's one of those things where it's like, I love Sam and I can listen to his EP one time through and then I gotta go listen to something else for a minute and then I can go back to it because it just the vocal style, it's so unique, but I also like can't listen to it all day long. And we were, uh, we had him over and we were going through, initially he was just gonna be there on the gang vocals. And then John was like, but what if you had him sing this too? And I was just like, I don't know how it's going to sound with like the front bottoms vocals. And I was like, yeah, sure, you guys can do whatever you want. It's fine. And then it turned out awesome. And I was just like, all right, cool. I don't know why I was worried. Um, and it was just a lot of fun because he didn't know the song. So he like came at all. Like he's sitting there. I had to play the song for him like four or five times. He looked up the lyrics and it's one of those things where you wouldn't know yeah. because it sounds confident. And that's one of those things that I love about Sam is Sam always has this energy and he brings that to the table, whether it's recorded, whether it's live, whether he's just sitting there goofing around, he just always has that energy, always has that confidence, always has that like perk in his step kind of thing. And he didn't like overhaul his part, like how Nick really customized his, but 
he definitely added little flares of his own. And I think that that also speaks to how talented of a musician he is to be able to take a song that you do not know and literally make it your own in a matter of about half an hour. That is incredible. Um, so he, what really, it was just, Hey, are you free right now? Uh, I just got off work. Cool. Come over to John's. You're recording gang vocals with us. Uh, okay. Yeah, sure. (laughs) Those are my favorite kind of collaborations. I'm just saying, like, (laughs) I think it's like, it it always ends up so much better if it's just kind of with the flow rather than like overthought and over rehearsed. Yeah. I want to deviate just a little bit. It's still kind of on the same theme of me making you compare random ass things. But again, like you've got this really interesting perspective for a smaller band in that uh, back in January, again, before all of this started, you performed at NAMM. Uh, back in January, again, before all of this started, you performed just at NAMM. Was it last week? And by the time this airs, it'll be two weeks ago. But on November 3rd for the I Voted Festival, which was, of course, a virtual event. So how crazy different were these experiences or were they you know, somewhat the same. So <laughs> Nam wasn't actually going to happen until we were at Nam. <laughs> we didn't bring guitars. We didn't bring anything. And we were talking with Blue Mics and Ultimate Ears about getting us a spot on their stage. And then Connection was dropped. And when we got there, we were talking to them. We were like, yeah, we were supposed to play with you guys. But no one ever got back to us. And they were just like, oh, wait, we remember you. And like... The guy who had been working with John recognized him. So they were talking and he was like, how would you guys like to play on Sunday? And we were just like, well, we don't have guitars. And they looked at us and they go, do you realize where you are? You're at NAM." As if this was just like <laughs> something that I should just. That someone's just going to hand you a guitar like you're going to expect that, right? Straight up, I kid you not. We went up to PRS after having talked to the artist relations gal earlier that day. And we were like, hey, so uh, we got offered to play at the Blue Microphone stage. Do you guys have a spare guitar by chance? And she was just like, well, normally you have to book these things out like months in advance. And I think that everything is booked out. Oh, wait, you said Sunday? We have one that's available on Sunday. So I was like, yes. Okay, cool. Because John loves PRS guitars. Like, if yeah. we're going to be playing at NAMM and we get kind of a choice of what brand we're representing up on that stage, if we have to borrow, like, pick a brand that you want to represent. And we love PRS. Of course. So, Sunday happens. We go up to PRS. Well, actually, rewind. So, John asks if there's by chance two, because then both he and I can play guitar. Um, and it's not just him. And they were like, no, we've only got the one. Okay, fine. So Sunday morning happens. John goes to pick up the guitar. So the guy brings out this beautiful guitar, perfectly set up. John's playing it. It sounds gorgeous. And this other guy goes, dude, why are you giving him that trash? He should be using this guitar. And pulls out another beautiful acoustic. And then John was like, can we just borrow both of them? And they were like, yeah, sure, here. And literally gave us both of these beautiful acoustic PRS guitars. I felt like I was dreaming. I will never own a guitar that beautiful in my life because I cannot stomach the price tag. (laughs) They were both over three grand. They were beautiful. Um, And I'm not saying that guitars aren't worth that money. It's that me, I have two hand-me-down guitars. I've never bought a brand new guitar. So for me, that seems like an unachievable expectation. But oh my goodness, played like butter, beautiful instruments. So then we got to go up on stage with these 
beautiful image. It was insane. I still feel like it was a dream because I got to play a like 15, 20 minute set at NAM. At yeah. NAM. That's so exciting though. Um, the I Voted Festival was a little different because <laughs> I, me and John didn't land that one. Uh, Mike did. He was like, hey, would you guys be interested in doing this? And we were just like, sure. Um, because I haven't been very politically vocal on my social media pages, but at the same time, I am very like, hey, you guys should go vote. Hey, go do these things. So that was a cause that I could get behind. Um, and we ended up doing a pre-recording. So rather than being live, we recorded the video over at Manny's place like a couple weeks prior. So we had the time to kind of troubleshoot like, oh, if you mess up. So it was a little less nerve wracking. Oh, of course. But I will say, highlight of being on the I Voted Festival was being announced with Billie Eilish and Young the Giant. Because they went through and they made Instagram posts for their whole lineup, right? And they were announcing, you know, five to 10 bands per post. Right. And somehow we got lumped in with Billie Eilish and Young the Giant. And I was just like, is this real? Like, <laughs> it was so That's cool. crazy. That's so neat. I like that they do it that way, though. Like, rather than, you know, a lot of festivals will just lump, like, the first tier artists. Yeah. And, yeah. like, none of them need that kind of promotion. <laughs> And they really did find people from all tiers with every post. Yeah. And I don't think that people found us off of it, but I don't care. I think it's cool. It's and something you can frame. Yeah. I <laughs> screenshotted it, but it's fine. <laughs> uh, but that's one of those things that it's like, we've now officially been part of a festival. And it was online, so it was a little weird. But... If that's the direction that things are going to continue going, like both instances were huge learning experiences, but I would say that they're both almost not comparable because one was an on the spot, hey, by the way, you've got not even a day to learn this entire set, play these beautiful guitars up on this stage with these awesome in-ears to, hey, you've got two and a half weeks to come up with two songs, two, three songs to play with your band to have aired during this festival. Um, so preparation and experience wise, I'd say they were very, very different, but both very important towards growth. I feel like going into what's coming next, um, like NAM is completely virtual this upcoming year. So what I've started doing is reaching out to different, um, people that we've been working with in the past, because we are going to be recording a newer video at some point, I'm sure. Um, that is a little more polished, but we have the means to make high quality videos with high quality sound. And if people are going to be doing um, like videos at all kind of thing for NAM, if it's all going to be virtual, I'd like to offer to the brands that we already use, like, hey, here's a video of us using your stuff. You're more than welcome to use it. Like, as testimonial kind of thing, or like, here's what this sounds like, since they won't be able to have the whole hands-on feel that NAM usually has. Yeah, that's a great idea. And it works out for everyone. It's really a win-win situation. Right, because then that saves them the time of having to make their own videos and, you know, kind of thing. Yeah. It, it saves them a huge budget, because for us, there is no cost. Our cost is our time. And it's not like we're trying to sell our videos to the, to the brands. It's just a, here's our thank you for being awesome, for making awesome products. You're more than yeah. welcome to use it. If you don't want to, that's fine too. 
Yeah, no skin off your backs. Yeah, if anything, we've got content to promote and I have no problem shouting out the brands that I use. Yeah, it's awesome. Don't need that PRS base, man. <laughs> you all just need to like transition to just like entirely PRS from <laughs> here on no, out. Like, we talked about it enough. I am perfectly fine with my Schecter. Uh, okay, I love Schecter though. My 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 baby who is named Sapphire, even though she's red because I'm a dumbass, is um is my baby. Um and then Fenders, because they just have like the right neck profile. I was about to say Fender has also treated us very well. I will not make this an ad for all of the brands we use. I'm sorry. <laughs> List of all right here. Well, if we just want to make it a brand for all the guitars we use, I can just promote my own guitars and then there's no brands involved. <laughs> yeah, just I made a dumb joke. <laughs> no, sorry, I lost okay. you for a sec. What's next for the band? I know you were mentioning an EP. Any idea when we can expect that? Or uh, um, <laughs> I've kind of given up on giving time frames because right now with the world being unpredictable as it is, I've been telling our fans, oh yeah, you'll have it in June. Just kidding, the world's shutting down. You'll have it by the end of the year. Just kidding, the world is probably going to be on another shutdown. Um, so it's just been kind of chaotic. We do have all of the songs, but we're taking the time right now to revamp those songs and make sure that we really have them the best that they can be. Um, we're also taking the time to continue writing more. So hopefully, once we release the EP, a couple months later, we might be able to release another single. Or that way, maybe we can release an EP in the first half of 2021 and then kick off 2022 with a full album. That would be best case scenario. Um, and I know that on our to-do list is a couple more fun covers, sort of like what we did with Drown. Um, one of our favorites is a Taylor Swift cover. And if DistroKid can't get us the rights to post it and we get sued by Taylor Swift, I'd still say I made it. There you uh, go. Like, if I'm important enough for Taylor Swift to sue, awesome. That That's the highlight of my life right there. Um, but we you can do... frame the season deceased letter, right? Right? Like, just... Yeah. <laughs> Put it on um, the wall. My favorite... the DMCA, frame it. <laughs> that's just my favorite uh, cover that we do, because we do a punkified version of I Did Something Bad, and people... Like at live shows, we have more people like headbanging and moshing to that song than any of our originals do. And I straight up, like, we'll play the song and I'll be like, yeah, so how do you guys know that you just headbanged to a Taylor Swift song? I've had people leave. And that is my favorite part about our shows. Oh my God. Was it, was it Club Red where like three people left after you said that or something? Like three, three people, people left and, and then two people, people went over to the bar. <laughs> And honestly, like, that's the kind of energy I want in 2021. Right. <laughs> oh, my God. That's hilarious. Okay. I got one final just random as fuck question for you guys. I always like to end on a fairly fun one. So if you could insert any one of your songs into a reality show soundtrack, which song and series would you choose? Bad. All I watch is anime, so this doesn't really help me. Okay, you can use an anime show. It's fine. It's, it's a I fun question. I know. <laughs> I mean, if we're talking anime only because we have a ballad and only because... Um, oh, Patty in your lie in April. No, no. Um, <laughs> Sad hour. I can't believe I'm forgetting. It's like one of the biggest animes. Gilgamesh. Um, Gil oh, fudge. I'm not here. Guys. 
Why did I sound for that? Gilgamesh. Gil- I'm gonna I'm gonna look this up right now. I, I covered this song in my last band all the time too. Jesus, come on, Manny. See, here's the thing. I'm looking at this from two different perspectives. Uh huh. One of I feel like if somehow we were able to throw animal into Parks and Rec, that would be awesome. It could be the Animal Control episode. Because it's one of those things that enough people rewatch that show because that show is just so good. Yeah. That like I'd be happy with that. We'd be making money off of it. It'd get exposure. It's a great show. But then the other part of me is just like, but like. What about shows that it actually makes sense? And I just can't think of anything right you now. Just gotta, you just gotta have Mouse Rat play it. <laughs> okay, so I remembered. It's the it's the Fate series. Yes. Yes, okay. the Fate series. Yeah. So they they usually have a lot of like ballads. So that's kind of why I was like, okay, Petty might fit in right yeah. there. Honestly, I'd rather see. Petty in like a game. I'd rather I'd rather one of our songs make it into a Fire Emblem soundtrack. If I'm being honest. No, we it's not the thing is our music's too depressing for, uh, for Pokemon. For Pokemon. But like Fire Emblem's literally a war game, so that, or, you know, we'd be, we'd fit pretty well in Persona in a couple of the Persona worlds. I play more games than I do watch shows, which is why I'm just like, hmm, I don't really know any off the top just, of my head. I just head. want Animal in One Punch Man. <laughs> God, I wish Stormy was here right now because she's like, she's super into the games. And I was too, you know, until like I started college a couple years ago and I just like haven't, not a couple years ago, it's been six years now. And I haven't had <laughs> college plus grad school plus like I just have not gotten back into it so like i always like hearing the discussions and everything but she would have such a ball talking to you that's the other thing that's kind of on our list that was what i just said i just said fire emblem i meant final fantasy i meant i was like hang on a second pal you can't you can't just let the moment pass and then come back and say you know what would be a great idea emily's idea but it's my idea i can't just i can't just john it up right now that's that's a patrick moment right there um, but then you listen else. to the episode, and I've cut out your entire statement, so it's really just hers. <laughs> you know, I'm into it. I get framed all the time. Um, but no, something else that we're working on is cultivating a Twitch community. Um, oh. Something that we've talked about doing as a band that I've also started doing on my own, and I got my setup all done today. It's been exciting. Um, but we have a Minecraft server that we've gone through and like played on. The Minehub people actually helped us set up. Um, so eventually we want to get to the point where we're doing, as far as like the whole cultivating friendships within the Arizona community, I want to stream us playing Fall Guys with a band or playing Among Us with a band. Like, you know, <laughs> having these kind of shows with these other artists because then we can play their music on stream, we can play our music on stream, and I'll have to worry about the dumb DMCA uh, violation thing that's going around on Twitch right now. Oh, because sure. obviously we would all have the permission to play the music. Um, but that's something else that we're working on as far as moving forward on content creation is really connecting our passions here and there. 8020 plays among us. Yeah. yeah. Well, Mike is working on it. 
I mean, he's got other people that he wants to play games with. It's just a matter of um, making it realistic, trying to figure out everyone's schedules. Because do we ever do? Do any of us really know what's going on right now? No, never. All I know is Frankie's looking kind of sus. <laughs> In case you didn't catch one of the many name drops of Love Like Fiction, that was a yeah. Love Like Fiction. Love Like Frankie. Yeah. They were our most uh, recent episodes, so I feel like everybody better be up on that. But, you know, who knows? We get a bunch of random downloads, too. I was like, also, sound, uh, is it Sad City Soundtrack? Something like that? It's off of their EP. I'm looking it up. I can't but that remember. song is my favorite, and it is Frankie's least favorite, and I find that hysterical. Really? Why? I think it's... It's either his least favorite or Nick's least favorite. It's one of their least favorite because they just don't like playing it. But I also think that that's the one where Frankie features uh, his vocals in. That was the one. I used to work with Frankie at Guitar Center. Oh, that's so so uh, he and I actually became friends before I knew who, who his band was. Um, and I remember I'm very, I'm very sensitive to frequencies. So if somebody is singing around me and they're out of tune, I can physically feel it and it will make me uncomfortable. And like, I will physically cringe. I just can't do anything about it. Yeah. And let me tell you, it was great working at Guitar Center where people refused to tune the guitars before they played them. Um, But I remember catching Frankie, like humming to himself. And I was like, wait, are you singing? And he was like, what? No. And just like (laughs) shying away because he didn't want me to be mean to him. Because he was working on it for recording for their EP. And he was just like, I don't want you to be like judging me. Like, I'm still trying to get comfortable with it. I was like, no, I'll be nice. Like, I'll be be constructive (laughs) with my criticism. (laughs) I basically had to beg him to sing for me. Oh, oh, that's so awesome. If you turn to the tech bench, Mike and I would just be like, you fucking suck. (laughs) (laughs) No, it would be one of those things where I'd just look at him and just be like, yeah, that sounded great. But like, I'm not that person. I'm. You're gonna be able yeah. to tell if I'm lying or not because I physically can't control my reactions. Yeah. But no, he's you actually a good singer. He's <laughs> convincing. Convincing. Yeah, very. <laughs> uh, um, if if I don't have that tight of a clenched smile, you can very visibly tell that I'm not smiling. <laughs> so it's I can either over exaggerate it and hope for the best. Or I'm just going to be frowning at you and asking you, what, like, are you okay? But, <laughs> but neither one of those things happened because Frankie can actually sing, and he was just yeah. scared for no reason. But it's one of those things, I just, I don't know. That's also, like, the softer song on the... Where is it? Why am I struggling? <laughs> I know, Spotify's been acting up for me, too. Um, Sad Soundtrack Part 5. It's on Sounds of City right. Streets. That's where I got City from. I literally just wrote that one down the other day because they mentioned it in the episode and I didn't want to forget to put it in the playlist. I should have remembered that. But yeah, that's all I have for you. So do you mind just shouting out your socials? We are at Turn Zero Band pretty much across the board. And if you want to find us on YouTube, it's the same thing. You'll have to look up Turn Zero Band. Otherwise, you'll get a lot of videos about zero turn tractors. And unless that's your thing. Uh, is zero turn tractors, zero turn competitive card games? Or, no, it's, um, turn zero is a card shop in California. And unfortunately, they have done a very, very, very good job at promoting turn zero and flooding search engine optimization for it, which is why we have turn zero banned on everything. 
but we've got a an Instagram, we've got a Facebook. The Instagram is probably the most reliable source at the current point in time. If you just want to follow at Emily Grieve, that is my personal social, and you'll be able to find more updates there because it's been hard to get band content that is like photos and things like that without getting redundant while we've all been isolating. So a lot of uh, band promotion, things like that have been done on our own personal pages. Right. Uh, yep. Oh, sorry. I no, no, you go ahead. My last name just yeah. because some people don't know that it's spelled like the word, but it's G-R-I-E, V like Victor E. You have trouble with that? People can't get that? My entire life. Emily Grevy, can you come up to the front? Grevy. Oh, my God. Emily Grave. Grave. Uh, I had a guy called, uh, it was Grive. And I was like, guys, it's literally a fucking word. <laughs> like, I don't, <laughs> it's, I don't understand this. But I mean, my last name is Wills, and people can't get that. It's always Willis. Yep. Like, 100% of the time. My mom uh, actually stormed my brother's senior soccer game because the announcer kept getting it wrong. <laughs> I love that. Like she I walked right across the field. <laughs> I love that. That is soccer mom, hundred percent, and oh that is everything God. I needed tonight. <laughs> <laughs> and do you all? I know Emily, you just shouted out your socials, but Manny Ash, do you have any personal Instagram or I, Twitter I social do. media? Is what I'm asking I just about. Don't, I just don't post a lot, so I oh, have one. <laughs> you can find it. I'm tagged in all of our posts. I just uh, never. So we do anything. tag her. <laughs> I'm I'm in the band and I do have a social media. I just never um I just I have this really cool thing called really bad ADHD. Yeah. And I'm like, this would be really cool for Instagram. And then like five seconds will pass, I'm like, okay, what is this thing? And then I'll delete the picture. And it's really great. It's really amazing. Let me tell you, the amount of things that I could be posting at the moment compared to the amount of things that I do post, insane. Yeah. The other way to keep up with us is following 8020's social media because anytime yeah. anything big happens, it's going to be posted through them since we are assigned to them. And they are so good about that. 8020 Records, honestly, Mike has a great team working with him right now. I'm not saying that just because I'm still part of the team. It is just a fact. He has a great team yeah. working with him right now. Um, between Moira working with the graphic design and the others that he's picked up for his social medias and for... Just like the outreach, we've they've replaced my old position as the artist relations. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty much there for the idea team. Like if Mike needs a heavy brainstorming session, then it'll be, hey Emily, come join. Aww. Um So I'm I'm there for that. But a lot like he's got a really good team working with him right now, and they're on top of making sure that anything that's coming up is posted. Yeah, I'm just, I'm so impressed with what I've seen from them so far. We've got a little 80-20 block going on right now with you, Love Like Fiction, and I've got Mike on, I think, next week. Woo! So, I've been doing all sorts of coordinating with him, and thank you for setting that up, because I would have had no contact with him had you not messaged me a couple months ago. He was looking for more females in the industry. He was like, inclusion is important, and if I'm running a podcast, like... I, I'm going to need more contacts. Yeah. And I was like, well, I comment on this girl's posts and I send her stuff about her stories and I know that she <laughs> does these things and she seems super cool. Oh, thank you. <laughs> well, I really super appreciate you. It's been a great connection. He is such a sweetheart. We've been really thrilled with the stuff that he's been sending us. 
because it's nice to have somebody that's actually like, hey, here are these bands that we really care about. They're actually good. <laughs> right. <laughs> and you not... want to talk about them. Yeah, no, I got you. It doesn't seem forced ever. He is just so passionate about all of you. Well, and that, that's what I was saying is he only picks up artists that he can really get behind. Yeah. Oh, so cool. All right. Well, it was super nice talking to you. I can't believe like we haven't been on the phone before. We've been interacting for probably like a year now. That's crazy. Yeah. You, I'm like, sorry, Manny. I haven't been talking to you, but. <laughs> Honestly, like I, I'm the newest member. So like for me, like it's just really important to uh, be here even just to hear more about the band, you know, because just with the whole situation with Corona, it's it's tough to like we can't just go shoot the shit at a bar or something, you know, like uh, it's it, it, it's different this time. Joining a band during the pandemic is definitely a different experience. So I reached out to you in June, didn't I? It was like May or June. It was like prime pandemic when I reached out to Manny. Wow. And it's like, no, you're it was ready when I was rolling. furloughed. It was in July. Prime pandemic. Wow, when Phoenix was like really getting hit. Yeah, I think we're going to go back up again, but hopefully not. Fingers crossed. I realized one thing really fast. Yeah, what's up? We were in the social media conversation. I never stated my my, my tag on social media. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, yeah. Give that ADD. Oh, actually, ADD. I actually just changed it. It used to be Poncho that it should now be um, SNEK underscore Ash. Okay. Yeah. Manny, I know you said that you use Twitter. Did you want to shout yours out, or is that more of a personal thing? I can shout it out, sure. It's uh, You can find me at Read the Manual. That's R-E-A-D, the, T-H-E, Manual, which is my name, M-A-N-U-E-L. Cool. <laughs> I love that. Again, it's from, like, fifth grade or something. That's just what great. I that, – that was my AIM. That was, that was my screen name during the AIM days. And I was just like, I can't think of anything else, and no one ever uses this, so that's just what I use now. <laughs> Clever as fuck. I'm surprised it's not used. All right, well, it was super nice meeting y'all. This was a fun chat. Yeah, it was fun. Thank you, too, for real this time. Yeah. All right, enjoy the rest of your night. Alrighty. Bye. Peace. Bye. Jesus, that was creepy. <laughs> it's Les Mis. <laughs> Jesus, Cosette, I love you very much. No? Okay. No, I mean, I recognize it. I just, I don't like the whispering into the microphone thing, and you're really good at doing it. I like to whisper. Whispering's my favorite. I like to I scream. can whisper, too. That reminds me of that horror story. Did you ever hear the one about the dog under the bed? No. Okay, let me just tell you a story real quick, because it is brief. Okay. So essentially, it goes that this little girl is home alone one night. It's storming. She's kind of scared. She's just waiting for her parents to come home. So since she can't sleep, she just lays down next to her bed, and she puts her hand under so that she can get comfort from her dog. He's just licking her hand. 
And after a while, she kind of calms down. She gets up and she goes to the bathroom and she opens the door. And pinned up against the mirror is her dog, skinned. And she heard a whisper. Humans like to. Nope, I hate it. <laughs> I hate it. I'm not okay. I don't like it. <laughs> I don't like it. So that's what you reminded me of. Yeah, it, like even telling it, it sent shivers on my spine. I don't. I, I still periodically like glance under my bed. Just to make sure there's not a human in a dog suit? Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> I never imagined them in a dog suit. A dog suit. That's worse. Yeah. That's human in a dog suit. It's like, what was that show? The Elijah Wood show? Wilfred? Wilfred, yeah. My first thought was uh, Donnie Darko. Why are you wearing that body oh, yeah. suit? Why are you wearing that man suit? <laughs> anyway, do we want to go over social media? Let's go over social media. Okay, so if you want to follow us, you can find us at I'm Not Okay Pod on Instagram and Twitter. You can find us on Facebook at I'm Not Okay Podcast. You can email us at I'm Not Okay Pod at gmail.com. And you can go find our website, I'm Not Okay Podcast.simplecast.com. If you want to check out any of the bands that I played earlier in the episode, I'm just going to go through their socials real quick. So if you want to find Aim High, obviously you can find them as Aim High on Facebook or Aim High 803 on Instagram or Twitter. If you're looking for a Noah Sonnen, you can find him at Noah Sonnen on Facebook, Noah.Sonnen on Instagram, and Noah Sonnen on Twitter. And that's spelled N-O-A-H-S-O-N-N-E-N. And if you're looking for Standing Lake Statues, you can find them again at Standing Lake Statues on Facebook, on Standing Lake Statues on Instagram, and Like Statues UK on Twitter. If you want to find me, I am at Slummy Thomas on Instagram and TikTok, and I'm at Real Slummy Thomas on Twitter because I made a new Twitter because I, the other one locked me out, so... And I am Elena X Wills on Instagram and Twitter. And actually, you can find me on Facebook now because I have a, a public profile. So if you want to connect on there, feel free to add me. As always, if you enjoyed the episode today, please, please, please go ahead. Leave us a review, a rating, subscribe on whatever platform you're listening to. That really helps us boost our, our standings on the, the various podcast charts. And it helps us gain some visibility for the artists that we are promoting here. And tell your friends if you enjoy it. Tell your friends to come listen, because word of mouth is like the best way for us to get more people to listen to the bands that we want them to hear. So absolutely. And usually I'd say something snarky right about now, but like we got a lot of compliments this week. So I'm just going to ride the high. Wait, we did? Yeah, I got I got like a few people oh. telling us that they dig the show. Nice. Yeah. Nobody, nobody tells me stuff. Do you have any way that you want to sign I out today? I don't have like a definite closer. Humans like to. I hate it.